Hey, Ryan, how do I get project-based learning started at my school? I've gotten some form of this question nearly every day for the last decade from engaged educators just like you. So at Magnify Learning, we've created a free download to get you started. Whether you're a superintendent, principal, coach, or teacher, go to whatispbl.com to get started on your project-based learning journey today. Are you ready to bring project-based learning to your school? The PBL Simplified Podcast will help equip you for your PBL journey with weekly need-to-knows, engaging interviews, PBL showcases from facilitators in the classroom, and PBL leadership episodes to move you towards a successful implementation of PBL. Because every learner deserves to be a part of an inspiring story, and we see daily that project-based learning helps make this happen. If you want me to answer your PBL need-to-know on the podcast, visit whatispbl.com and click on Ask Ryan to submit your question. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. That's the opening line to Charles Dickens' book, The Tale of Two Cities. Your senior English teacher hopes that you remember that, but even if you don't, it's going to fit today because today we're talking about a tale of two schools. We're talking about a school that had a design plan to bring in project-based learning, and we're talking about a school that did not have a succession plan. And we'll walk out how those two scenarios go. I'm Ryan. Welcome to PBL Simplified Podcast. I'm glad that you joined us. Before we dive into this scenario, actually, they're not scenarios. They're both real life. I'm going to give you the backstory to these design days and how it goes when you have a succession plan and how it goes when you don't, because we see it over and over again. And I want to work on it. But before we do that, I want to dive into a need to know. Here's the need to know that came in. It was kind of set up like this, right? I get that community partners are really important. I appreciate the authenticity, but I'm worried that a community partner will take over my class and bring their own agenda. I suppose it's a real concern these days. The quick answer is I've never had that happen. Never heard of that happening within our network. And here's why. I think, again, it could happen. You should be aware of that, but you should also be the person that's bringing in your community partner. If you're bringing in your community partner, you should know them well enough to know whether or not they're going to bring their own agenda to your class. If you think that they might, I probably wouldn't invite them, right? How how bad do you need them? Uh, we do need community partners, but there's so many out there, right? If you don't have the right zoologist and you think they're going to bring an agenda or you want to bring somebody from local community center and you think they might bring an agenda that's not appropriate for where you're trying to take your kids, whether it's age level or maturity, whatever it is, you don't think that discussion should be there, find another person. Like, that's fine. Find the person that fits and have the discussion beforehand to say, here's what it is that I'm looking for in a community partner. Here's what I'd like you to bring. How will you handle that? And have them play it back to you. Well, I'm going to tell this story and I'm going to lay out these three different points. How does that sound? And it's okay for you to say, you know what, that's not the direction I want this PBL unit to go. So I appreciate the work that you're doing. Uh, I think I'm probably going to need to find another community partner. We'll keep you in mind in the future. Or you can do a little compliment sandwich in there if you want, or you can do it via email, however you want to do that, Like, but make it clear. like If it's not going to fit, it doesn't serve your classroom, then you don't need to bring that community partner in. This is a time to be selfish. Like, and. I, you, selfish could probably be in quotes, but you want what you want because it's good for your kids. 
So if your community partner is not going to serve your learners well, then you don't need them in your classroom. So the quick answer to that is, again, I've never had that happen, but I think it's because when we advocate that you go find a community partner, we're advocating for relationship there, right? A community partner is a relationship. You're going to give, they're going to give. They want to be there for the right reasons. You want them in there for the right reasons. So you're doing your due diligence on the back end to make sure that that situation doesn't happen in your classroom. Hopefully that answers that question. If it doesn't, then go right back to what is pbl.com and hit ask Ryan again and say, thanks for the insight, Ryan, but here's a, the finer example. Can you talk to that some more? I'd be happy to. But that's that's my first go with community partners. They are super important. You do want them in your classroom. But remember, it is your classroom, right? Like you are dictating what's happening there. You're setting the stage and making sure that you're taking your learners down a path that you want them to go down. So make sure you kind of take the authority of that and take that seriously and make sure you have the right people in your classroom. And that's our need to know for today. So let's continue on a tale of two cities. Again, I'm not going to give you that literature lesson with Charles Dickens, but I am going to walk through a pretty familiar scenario. The first one we'll walk through is a school that brought in project-based learning. They did some great training. They had a principal who was fired up and willing to lead. She put out a North Star and said, this is where we're going to go because it's really good for our learners. And some of her teachers were on board and some were not. And they navigated that over three years. They were in our networks. They did PBL Jumpstart. They did PBL Advance. They were doing some amazing things. With a good chunk of their learners being on the autism spectrum, they were really servicing those learners well, tied in the library well, had some authentic PBL units that were happening. And we never really got to, or they didn't invest in the the coaching at the administrative level to create a succession plan. So then when she moved on to her neck, the next part of her journey, which is totally appropriate for you as a leader to do that, to follow your journey where it needs to go, literally, as soon as she left, the next day, PBL disappeared. Now, some might say, well, maybe the teachers didn't buy into it. Maybe they weren't fully in. I say it disappeared. It disappeared from the administrative level. It disappeared from any literature. They were no longer a project-based learning school. In fact, when I called the new principal, she said, what is PBL? And, you know, we tried to go down that route, of course, and build that relationship, but that was not the direction that the new principal was brought in to take that school. And again, for all intents and purposes, PBL disappeared. And we've seen that scenario play through way too many times, just way too many times. So at Magnify Learning, we're on this journey of bringing project-based learning to the world. And part of that is bringing new schools on board. Part of it is we're finding now is playing some defense and making sure that our schools that are on board stay on board and that we make it through a principal succession plan. We're working with central office to make sure that the succession plan is in place to keep project-based learning because principals are the linchpin of our work, right? The principal is the one that's going to set the tone, that's going to set the culture, for project-based learning to thrive or be pushed to the side or just die and go away, not be a part of the work that they do. So you as the leader are so important to this work, which is why we devote so much of the time on this podcast. It's really the big chunk of this podcast is talking to you as the leader to say how you define culture is so important that you 
disseminate what comes from central office, what comes from above uh, the org chart above you and how you bring that to your teachers, how it fits into project-based learning is really important. You need to be, just as a teacher would be setting up their classroom to fit that culture, you're doing that for your school. But what we don't always think about is what about after I leave? in whatever circumstance that is, right? Because again, as a leader, you need to do what's best for you and your family and you need to make those decisions and that's okay, right? Like we're looking for the double win. We don't want you to sacrifice everything for this work. We want you to grow because then you're the best leader and you create the best results. So you may move on, but what does that succession plan look like? What are the systems and processes that are in place that are not just built around you as a dynamic leader? The dynamic leader is super important You need to grow yourself. You need to take care of yourself. Those things are all true, but we also need to have systems and processes so that when someone can come in after you and the good work that you've helped create and lead continues on. So we've seen that tale played out again and again, but the Dickens quote starts, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. So I gave you the worst of times. What does the best of times look like? The best of times looks like a district, a large district that we're working with that is starting at the top. So the superintendent knows what project-based learning is, at least what the results are of that. Can the superintendent create a PBL unit and know the nuts and bolts? No, but he probably doesn't need to, but he needs to know how to support it. At the central office level, the assistant superintendent level, we're doing design days. Days in coaching specifically to set out how can we, at a high level, start to build systems and structures? How do we build leadership that will support a project-based learning environment? Because they know they're smart enough, they're innovative enough, they have enough EQ to know that you don't just hand down and say, hey guys, we're doing PBL now. And they get some compliance for a couple of years and people work around it and then it dies. They know that the real work is around mindset, which is the work that we've been doing at Magnify Learning forever, right? That's why we have to have three days in a workshop because it's not a one day and here's all the resources go. It's three days, live the culture, breathe the culture, understand the mindset, and now you can start to innovate on your own. These leaders know the same thing. So it's like, how do we get leaders that are ready to innovate? They had a few schools that ran with project-based learning on their own. The leaders were in already, the teachers came on board, they were trained, they're certified, and now it's like, what's the next wave? They understand the next wave needs to volunteer as well. They need to be in, they need to see the why behind bringing project-based learning. So they find some pockets of leaders in their district to say, would you be willing to look at the mindset work around project-based learning and bring it to your school and your teachers? So they find that group of principals, cohort them, put them in a cohort, give them training. So now they're doing their own design days at the principal level. So at the assistant superintendent level, they're doing design days. At the principal level, they're doing design days. You've got a cohort of principals that has time to think about what does it mean to create really great learning environments at my school? Right, that ideal graduate conversation of what do we want our learners to have when they leave our school? And then we give those principals time together to create those things specifically for their school. 
instead of saying, do these things, we say, what would it look like to bring this to your school? And they start to customize it for their staff. And they say, well, this time has been really good for us. How can we give our staff time to start planning and thinking about these things and do the mindset work? And they know that they've got some people that are ready for that. They have some teachers that are innovative and already thinking about work like this. So their plan is to get them involved. And that's what they do. And they start some design work there. So do you see what's happening in this best of time scenario in our tale of two cities? Is you're building up structures and processes, thought processes, specifically the ones I've laid out. There's more to it than this. But we've laid out this idea of you need time to think about the plans and the processes for your specific customized environment. I can't give you the answer of how project-based learning will work in your school, but I can give you inspiration, the outputs that you desire that can come from project-based learning, and then I can give you time to think about, and I can facilitate and coach how you think about this works in your school. So then when you're done, you have a plan an overarching 30,000-foot plan, which, by the way, leaders, how, how often do you get that time? Some of you just shook your head. You just shook your head and said never. That's right, but you need to have that time because the work has to live beyond you. Like your best work is 10 years out, so we want to make sure that you get to that and you're ready and you're innovative. But at some point, if you move on, which again, that's fine as a leader, Go and do your best work wherever you're called to do it, but don't let your work die. So how do we create systems like this where we know that it's positive to give groups, leadership teams at the level of implementation time to dream up this work so that you have a grassroots movement? There's still leadership involved in here, right? There's still a North Star that's being put out for this district But then within that, we're creating grassroots momentum because we're inviting people into this vision. And that's super key. Now, can you take that and run with it in your district? I hope so. At least the idea, right? Like that's not a three-step district plan for awesomeness that brings project-based learning. But think about the components of that. The components are that we believe we've hired the right people. We've hired the right leaders that can think, that are passionate about their work. So now let's get them together, give them momentum, give them time, give them a North Star to move towards so that they can create a really great 30,000 foot plan. They already know the nuts and bolts of how to run a school. If they don't, you should educate them on that, right? Like there's training that has to happen. You need to do that. They have a pretty good idea of their curriculum or they've got a pretty good idea of their curriculum's not working. So then what do they need? Maybe that's where project-based learning comes in, right? Like your curriculum should be within this framework so that you're bringing authenticity and engagement to your teachers and your learners. But everybody wants to be part of an inspiring story. Everybody wants to be a part of something that's bigger than them. Invite them into that, right? In this district, in the best of times district, we've got assistant superintendents inviting principals into this inspiring story to say, look what we could do and look what we want to support. And the principals say, yeah, I want to do that. And the assistant superintendents say, 
Great. How are you going to do that? And you know what we did? We followed the PBL process. These principals planned out their plans specifically for their school, and then they presented them to an authentic audience. School board members came in. Other cabinet members came in. Teachers came in. So those principals doing the same thing that teachers would do in a PBL jumpstart, doing the same thing their learners would be doing in a PBL unit because it works. They presented it to the authentic audience. They got really great feedback. And what else happens? Those teachers that showed up said, yeah, I want to be a part of that. How can I help? And we already gave them handholds of where they could help. So those things are happening right now because we invited them into something bigger. And did they say, hey, Ryan, when should we have, you know, our team meetings? And what should we do in the third team meeting that we have this year? No, they didn't ask me that at all. Because number one, I don't have that answer. That answer is different in every one of those schools. And those principals didn't even have that answer. The teachers had that answer. They said, here's what we're going to need to help the rest of our staff get on board. And that's what they planned out. They had a North Star. They had the right people in the room. They had frameworks that allowed for the work to move forward. We're living the project-based learning process, right? That's what we want to do. It engages learners. It engages students. Guess what? It engages principals and assistant superintendents too. So you live out this process at every level. And now that mindset, which is really the key, goes through every level. And as you have people come in or come out, you now have a succession plan to say, this is how we do things. If you go back to the worst of times example that I gave you, where a principal does really great work on her own with her staff and and they're working hard and doing really great things for kids. When she leaves, the structures aren't there. They weren't there from the central office. They weren't there at, you know, at teacher leadership levels to have those structures and those conversations of what's the best thing for us to do for our learners, right? You get a new leader, like that happens, right? So at some point, somebody needs to step back and say, here's where we are. What's the next best thing we can do for our learners? In the case of that school, it would have been, well, how do we continue bringing in community partners? How do we continue having expos? How do we continue bringing project-based learning to our learners so they can get workshops individualized specifically for them? But there was no structure or process to have that conversation, and thus the work dies. So out of these two tales, the tales of these two schools, I want you to pick up this idea of the importance of design days. Because we're talking about how do you bring PBL to your district. So we talked about last week. And we're going to talk about the next step in the next coming leadership episode as well. So as we do that, this this one is really design days. How do you look at a 30,000-foot view to say... What does the succession plan look like? What does what do the systems and processes look like? How do we get the right people in the room? And next time, we're going to talk about the right people in the room. So I mentioned a teacher leadership team. We're going to call it a, a PBL core team or a PBL learning team. Again, I'm, I have a really hard time giving the specific vocabulary sometimes because it might be school specific, right? Like what works in your school? But you need a core group of teachers that are going to say, I own project-based learning because it's good for my learners. And I know it's good for all learners. So I want all staff members to be on board. I know we can't just do a top-down mandate because people aren't on board with that. They might be compliant, but they're not on board. We want people to be on board. 
So we'll talk about that in our next leadership episode in two Wednesdays. So make sure you tune in for that. So we've talked about like, how do you build your PBL knowledge? And now we're talking about a design team. And then we're going to talk about what's that teacher leadership team look like. And as you start to build these processes as a leader, you become more confident that the work is moving, not just with you, right? You have a vision and that's important. You want to bring that, but now you need that groundswell to come around you so that things are growing in each classroom. They're growing throughout your school without you having to push them. And if you've never felt that as a leader, that's exciting, Talk, I've got some leaders you should talk to. We'll bring some on the podcast because I've got some, when you start to feel that momentum, that flywheel that, whoa, that just happened and I didn't even think of that or do that. That is an exciting time. Like people are moving the school towards your vision and it wasn't you pushing the giant boulder up the mountain. That's when leadership really gets exciting. So I hope this episode inspires you. I hope it gives you um, some things to think about on systems and process in the 30,000 foot view. It might also bring up some new need to knows. So go to whatispbl.com, hit that Ask Ryan button, and I'll answer your specific need to know on the podcast. Because this is the really important work. And we want to, again, live that PBL process. And part of that is need to knows. I just presented possibly some brand new information. And you're going to have some more questions. So I want to make sure I hit those as we move forward. As we do all this work together, you're going to engage your learners, tackle boredom, and transform your classrooms.